the core cast. Gaiden! Welcome to Shoot the Corecast Gaiden. This will be a side series to the main Shoot the Corecast podcast. Rather than covering the previous month's Shmup Club game, this will serve as an outlet for other Shmup-related content that doesn't fit the mold established by the main series, including interviews, shooting game terminology, general strategies, and retrospectives. We hope you enjoy these divergences. From RFGeneration.com, I am Metal Fro known throughout other parts of the web as the Game Boy Guru, and alongside this mission, as always, I have... Addicted, also known as Addicted to Shmups. And we have a Player 3 on the line today, and that would be Kathy Kimport from Terciops Truncatus Studios. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks a bunch. It's great to be here. All right. Uh, so... As you hear me say on every podcast, rfgeneration.com is the place you want to be. We have a great website there with awesome forums where you can sign up and have great discussion with other members. We have a huge database where you can catalog your game collection, create wish lists, create a for sale and for trade list. And uh, we have tons of variants in there. So if you're picky about your collection, making sure that you only have, uh, you know, originals and not greatest hits or things like that. We've got what you need. We also have uh, a Discord channel that you can check out that many of us hang out on on a daily basis and have good discussions. And of course, in addition to the, sh the monthly Shmup Club, we also have the monthly playthrough that is run by Single Banana and Grey Ghost 81, where they pick a different game every month and play through it in the same way that we do. And then they, of course, then podcast it later on the RF Generation Playcast. Uh, and if you, uh, if you want another reason to join the site, come check us out for the 2019 NES Challenge, where we are attempting to play through and beat or reach a we'll say a win condition on every licensed North American NES game during 2019. So again, come check us out. It's all free to sign up and use at rfgeneration.com. So, uh, Kathy, why don't you uh, introduce yourself a little bit, kind of tell us about uh, Terciops Truncata Studios and how that all started, and uh, let's go from there. All right, yeah. Um, so... Terciops Truncatus is mostly a two-person operation. We have help from time to time. Um, I'm the developer and the game designer. Uh, we have an artist, uh, Susan, who, if you meet us at a convention, you'll usually see her there. Um, we have, this is our first game of this scope that we're working on, The Day We Fought Space. Um, we've had a few smaller, mostly puzzle titles. Um, Primrose, the... Um, Drops a light, um, mostly kind of logic-based stuff. But now this is kind of our first foray into action that we're working on right now. Um, we've been at this at varying levels of seriousness since kind of the shareware age in the late 90s. 
um, kind of had to put it on the shelf wow. for a while and then came back to it in more of the modern indie indie dev spirit. So that's that's been going on for a few years now that we've been working on this current title. Okay, very good. Uh, so I guess one of the interesting things right away is the day we fought space, I have to say, I, I appreciate the cheeky name. Thank um, you. The, you know, it, it, it's got a sort of 1950s B-movie space serial kind of of uh, vibe to it, which I dig. And so uh, I definitely appreciate the, you know, kind of B-movie nod there. Yeah, that's you're going for the whole B-movie, like the pulp comic, the pulp sci-fi era, just to give you an idea of the spirit of the game right off the bat it, it's it's fun it's a little over the top at times and we hope you have as much fun with it as we do so yeah well i'd say there's nothing wrong with occasionally being a little on the nose <laughs> so i guess let me let me ask in terms of of influences because obviously it's uh it's a bit of a leap to go from say logic puzzles to um, what is now, of course you, you have termed it a wreck up. Right. Um, right. But it is, it is essentially a scrolling shooter game with some new and interesting mechanics that we can get into, yes. uh, that, you know, differentiates it from other, other games of that type. But uh, one assumes that you have at least played and been familiar with the genre before. And so, uh, like, do you are there any specific games that you would consider um, influential or yeah. inspirational in this sense? Yeah. Um, as far as like classic shoot 'em up, I'd say um, like Gradius three for the SNES. Kind of, you you'll see a lot of elements coming through from there, especially if you remember that one had the one you could kind of custom build your up your weapons in that little mm-hmm. selection screen. Uh, a lot of the enemy design, a lot of the waves waves of enemies is kind of gradius paced. Um, there's a little bit of defender that that'll creep in. Um, that was probably the very first shoot 'em up I played as a kid with on our Atari twenty six hundred. Before that, went on the Fritz. <laughs> um, other than that, like. For for classic games, a, a little bit of EDF comes through, um, and then what really inspired us to make this game was some of the later kind of indie shoot 'em ups. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Jamestown. Um, that is what really playing that game really got me thinking in the shmup mindset again of as far as what game I wanted to develop. Because I had, I had always, maybe not always, but I had for a while wanted to toy around with a shoot 'em up game. Um, and Jamestown was kind of what really brought that back into the forefront of my mind. Nice. Yeah, I, I'm familiar with Jamestown. I haven't played it yet, unfortunately. Um, but uh, I know it's supposed to be coming out for the Switch at some point. And yes. So... Yeah, the, the collector in me is hoping that someone will pick it up for a physical release and and uh, put that out there, so it's not just a download. Yeah, that would be great. 
what other, uh, I guess, what other uh, modern or more current shoot 'em ups would you say you've taken inspiration from, or have, let's say, you've enjoyed and maybe have um, influenced the design of this game? Uh, I Gundamonium has been a big influence with the pacing of their their levels and their enemies. Um, also, just kind of the style of the fact that every wave is not exactly the same. So you can't kind of rehearse the exact patterns on that one, on Gundamonium. You know what order the waves are coming in, but they kind of mix it up a little to keep you on your toes. Um, another another big influence modern-wise, um, Crimson Clover. That's, that's more mm. one I just like to play i don't know how much crimson clover is coming through in the design of the day we fought space um sure it's it's definitely one of my favorites that i keep coming back to a little a bit of um super stardust hd that's another one that Mm. i i went back to recently and so there's one we've got a whole bunch of fluid based weapons in our game and I have like a little bit of flu. It was kind of inspired by one of the weapons in Super Stardust. I went back to that game recently and I'm like, oh my gosh, all these things that we're actually simulating, they got away with faking. And I can tell how they're faking it <laughs> by watching how it <laughs> plays. So a little, a little just fun tidbit, I guess. Previously, you had mentioned EDF as a source of inspiration as well. Is that just for general campiness or a little bit more drawn from there? Uh, a little bit of the uh, the variety of ships you can pick from in that one. Um, I've only played the one, the, the Super EDF on the SNES. I haven't played any of the rest of the series. But also kind of the you're, you're on mostly planetary missions in that game instead of in deep space. And that's the same kind of atmospheric thing we're going for. And you had mentioned, uh, I believe it, I was watching a previous interview where we were talking about not having things be the same, where right. it's less about memorization and more about experimentation. Yes. Yep. Um, so it is procedurally generated levels. So you're never going to fly the same mission twice. Also, because um, we've got some physics in there, so that means... Things are going to get a little unpredictable because things are going to tumble in ways and they're going to knock enemies around. And you might get that one in a million shot sometime of, you know, hooking your saw blade under something and it ricochets just the right way that you really can't memorize exactly where to put your ship to get that in because you don't know exactly when new enemies are going to be flying on the screen. Very interesting. So I guess that kind of segues into, you know, one of the things that I was curious about is, you know, right now with the beta version that we've been toying around with, um, you know, you've got four different destinations that you can choose and then yes. a whole bevy of ships. And uh, at this point, it it's all just one level that you pick, you fly the ship and you go until essentially until your ship is destroyed and so Mm -hmm. is the game when it's a finalized product is that going to be kind of the core gameplay where it's it's play level and it's a kind of a lengthy score attack where you're just trying to survive and score as as long as you can 
or do you plan on having some kind of slightly more structured campaign where you know you have a succession of levels that you want to try and get through with a set number of lives or uh you know in a more of a timed fashion i guess is that something that's on the horizon so yes and no um the score attack is going to remain the centerpiece but it is going to be as part of a larger campaign um oh. so um you will at the start of the game, you'll have just a handful of upgrades and you'll have the one destination. Um, and then as you go through the level, you'll be picking up little energy crystals that you can use to buy upgrades. And eventually, once you've hit a certain number of challenges, you'll be able to progress to the next planet. Um, and then on, on top of that, we will have challenge missions. So... One of them, it'll just be, we have one that we're calling Oops All Trains, where it's just a whole bunch of trains that you can see if you can make the biggest chain reaction possible with. Um, a, a couple other ones will be like kind of a time attack against a boss. Um, an endurance one where you just have, like, they kind of pre-select the ship for you and you see how long you can survive a meteor shower without any weapons on you. Something like that. But the that score attack that kind of rises with that will keep getting harder until you just can't keep up with it. And that is really the core. That's kind of where the leaderboards are going to be focused on that mode. Um, but we do have a story and a part of it is so part of the theme of the story is you've got drones which is why you can fly hundreds and hundreds of missions and blow up and still be the same pilot from mission to mission. Um, so, yeah, we, we got a little story about kind of taking Earth back from alien overlords, and that will in, unfold as you progress in the levels, as you beat those little cha challenges. Um, and we will have, we are planning on having kind of a an arcade mode-ish thing where you do have more of an endpoint, and that'll be kind of a bonus level once, maybe not, we probably won't have that right at launch, but that'll be something we'll tack on um, as we roll out some updates that that arcade mode will come into play. Okay, very good. Speaking of arcade mode, is this something that you'd like to put on Apple Arcade or something? Somewhere? I know that they have the touch controls, but I'm a little bit curious about your proposed distribution model. Yeah, we are, like, with the rest of the world who only just got, like, real information about Apple Arcade earlier this month, we're still kind of doing our research to see if that or just a standard download um, a premium download would be our distribution model. Um, so we don't have a definite answer about Apple Arcade. Um, they they kept a lot of those details really under lock and key, even for us developers um, involved in the development program. So I uh, until September, I knew exactly as much as the rest of the world did about the details behind Apple Arcade. So... We'll we'll see. All right, uh, yeah, it looks like it would be a good fit for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is, we are getting controller support in there. So even though the touch touch controls are 
we love them. We're unique. They're, I, I'm a very tactile person. So I, per, you know, not to say I love my own game, but I really enjoy the feel of that, that fine tuned precision, precision you get from the touch screen. But a lot of, you know, a lot of people like the controller feel better. So we've got, it, it, you you folks have the beta. If you have an MFI controller, there is very rudimentary support if you hook that up. Um, a lot of the the wonkier upgrades don't really work with the controller yet, but that's something that's one of the dev projects for this month is getting the rest of controller support squared away. Yeah, I was real curious about that as and whether or not that was going to be something that you would add. Uh, and so... You know, kind of thinking about thinking about the the way that the game is structured. You know, I'm looking at the demo right now, and uh, one of the things I appreciate is the accessibility settings that you have because you've got the mm-hmm. the tac- the tactile controls, which are the default. Then you have the clear view, which is my preference um, because I don't like to have my finger on my ship or you know my mm-hmm. on screen avatar. I like to be able to move my move that around a little bit either below or behind or in front right, or something right. so that I can have a, a better view of of where it is I'm firing from um, in order to uh, I guess visualize where it mm-hmm. is that I'm going especially because a lot of the weapons in the game have um, have where you can expand and contract them um, right you know, so like a lot of the a lot of the the standard kind of Vulcan weapons, if you will, are where you can multi-touch and sort of pinch to expand or contract the the shots, so that your spread is either much larger or much more narrow and focused. Um, and even a couple of weapons that then sort of play with that even further uh, to where you can focus into a tight laser beam. Or I know mm-hmm. there's uh, the one craft that um, let me pull it up here. Uh, the wizard that kind of mm-hmm. has a a lightning bolt shot that you can do, but then if you pinch zoom and bring that in real tight, then it sort of becomes an ice beam. Yeah. Um, and so it's really interesting how you can kind of manipulate that with that uh, t- you know two finger multi touch. Uh, on so the right side of the screen in order to direct fire and all of that the the control for the game is actually pretty pretty involved because it's a little bit different for every ship and i appreciate how mm-hmm. at least in the beta you know you're you're spelling it out before every everyone uh, or every mission mm-hmm. that you take on that it tells you specifically oh this ship does this so you know, double tap in, in here to fire this weapon or to change the weapon or whatever it is. Um, and so I I uh, I appreciate that you're giving the player a heads up before that. And so yeah, I, I'm wondering how is that going to translate to controller support? Is there going to be a dedicated button for, you know, a weapon type change or a dedicated button for, say... For things like the rocket or like that, where you have a secondary weapon. Right. Uh, So it's going to work a lot like a twin stick shooter will. So left stick will control 
movement like normal. Right stick will control both your pitch and your spread amount. So you stick to the right is focusing your fire, stick to the left is spreading it out. And then, so if you've got one of those dual weapons all the way to the right controller is what will kind of trigger those tight beams. Mm. Um, for stuff where anything you're double tapping, that'll be mapped to a shoulder button by default. Oh. So if you've got the, like the active shielding, that'll be left shoulder. If you've got the missile launcher, that'll be right shoulder. Um, and then we even have some because there's a few controllers that don't have the analog stick. So we're kind of toying around with how to map the button face to something that, so that'll be, it'll be an extremely simplified version where you only have like tightest and widest and then like two steps in between if you're pressing combinations of two buttons. Um, oh, sure. We've we've toyed with it. It makes a little sense. It's a little hard to describe without showing you controller and kind of making those gestures, but... Sure. Yeah, that, that makes me think of, uh, what is it, uh, Sinistron on the TurboGrafx-16, where there's your ship sort of have this weird beak, I guess I would call it, and when your beak is closed, you have a tight focus shot and then you can open mm-hmm. that up two or three levels to widen the shot. And so it yeah, seems like it would yeah. work in a similar fashion where, uh, you know, one of three or four settings allows you to widen or narrow the, the shot that, you know, for that particular weapon. Yeah. Yeah. That's basically what we're planning with those planning with those. Okay. That makes sense. We talked about the, it's a physics-based, uh, sorry, I wreck them up, but I was right. a little bit curious on their, do, are all the drones going to have their own specific set of weapons or can you mix and match in between them? You can mix and match. So the demo, what we've been showing at conventions has about a dozen pre-built loadouts, every weapon, every shield, So you were talking earlier about the wizard ship that has the electric attack when you're wide, the ice attack when you're narrow. You can mix and match any of the kind of elemental powers. So you could have curveball for wide. You could have acid stream when you're narrow. Um, You could have slap whatever melee weapon you want on your ship. You You want to have the plasma tendril on top of the flamethrower, go ahead. Um, and we got a few other just kind of general up to upgrades. Some of them will give you an extra hit point. Some of them will make you faster. The usual stuff like that. But there is quite a bit of mixing and matching you'll be able to do. Wow. So I could, for example, could I then build a ship that has like the assault with the multiple spinning saw blades and then also yeah. fires the, the chain weapon? Ah, uh, yes, you could do that. Oh. It'll it'll stick you on the back side of the screen because you got to aim with that chain. Right. So so it, it will let you do that. It will let you do that. And you can throw like a normal you want to throw the flame, keep the flamethrower and still have that doubled up tap chain on there. 
Oh, wow. I mean, you might have to sacrifice some armor armor to do it, but it'll let you. It'll wow. let you be as reckless as you want to be. <laughs> I think we, we've played around with it. If you get really creative, you can cram five weapons on there at once. But huh. I, I can't even remember exactly how that one works. I think you need to have those little mini drones involved to get the fifth one in there. But if you do that, if you throw five weapons, you're taking one hit and then you're dead. But, you know, sometimes <laughs> that's the price you got to pay to get five weapons on one ship. So, yeah. And and I could see some uh, shooting game traditionalists and purists going that route just so that their ship has one hit. And, right. you know, they can they can go the true old school way and, you know go out with guns blazing and uh yeah <laughs> and have a an, an a, you know be armed to the teeth but then shields uh, are for the weak yeah, <laughs> something like that <laughs> uh, yeah it's a little it's a little hairier cuz there's so much rant like if you shoot a ship down you've got to dodge the bits of debris that come off of that ship yeah so i mean we've specifically designed it so that you can like it doesn't penalize you a lot for taking those incidental hits. Um, yeah, I noticed that because uh, some of the bigger craft, when you destroy them, so that must be debris. It almost seems like, you know, certain games where when you're either on a higher level or right. high, higher difficulty level or something like that, when you destroy an enemy, a lot of times you'll get uh, suicide bullets. Um, yeah, yeah. And so this is similar to that, but then after, if you survive long enough, um, then there'll be a, a small little rocket drone that'll come along. And if you shoot it down, then you get this sort of wrench that will restore some of your HP. Uh, and so I appreciated that while I was playing to, uh, you know, give me a little bit, a yeah. little bit more of an opportunity to continue to play and, and, uh, experiment. It's one of the one of the most recent additions to the game was that that little helix that repair drone. Um, that that only came in the last few months. We were we were making people play the game without any healing for the longest time. Wow! I mean, for the for the final game, because you get you know, there's really no penalty for losing a ship. Um. So it it didn't seem like that harsh, but for those for those demos, it it definitely made a big difference. And we'll probably leave it in, just sure. as a little reward for surviving for a while. Yeah, it makes sense, and it also, um, you know, it also will give score chasers the opportunity to really maximize that and yeah. uh, go nuts on the leaderboard. Yeah, one thing we are speaking of score chasing, it's not set up yet, but the intention is for those wrenches to be worth a lot of points if you collect them and you don't need any healing. So, oh, that that'll be a nice feature too. I think. Um, speaking of <clears throat> drones, on there, I'm a little curious. If say in the full game you were to lose a drone, is that drone mm -hmm. just not available to you anymore? Do you have to? do something in order to get it back or oh no you you have you have the blueprints for the drones so they're 
within the story, they're 3D printed drones. They're meant to be disposable. So there really is, it, we want to encourage experimentation. That's that's one of the main reasons we're going with a premium premium game instead of a free-to-play game with lives mechanic is we don't want to pe- want people to just go with the safest drone they can and you know find something and stick with it. We want people to feel free to just treat the game like a playground and try whatever they want. Um I really the only penalty you'll have for losing a drone is that's where the end of your score. You, you don't get to score any more points at run. Okay. And even with that, we've got some accessible difficulty options. Um, you'll be able to like, if you don't care about getting on the high scoreboards, you can add a, add a setting. You can flip the setting where you're getting three respawns. So you can just pick up where you left off and, have fun with the game if if you're not if you're not going for that high scoreboard glory. Okay, I think I had seen there was going to be gems in the game. Is that correct for upgrades? Um, yeah, we're still we're kind of debating what to call them. Okay. They're the little stars that you pick up in the demo. Those are the currency that you use to pick to buy each of the upgrades. Right. So, can you give some examples on what what type of upgrades are we looking for? Um, well, it's it's the stuff that the the drones are already made up of. So you'll start the game out with just some very basic. You know, you'll have kind of two different cannon options, and then a few additional hit point, additional speed, additional damage. Mm-hmm. Um, each of the different cannon options. Um, I calculated how many there's there's gonna be about we've got about 120 130 working right now but they're not all gonna be present at launch we're gonna be kind of throwing a core set of those out so you should have about 40 to pick and that'll be like the the acid jets and the like all of the different ammo types are an upgrade that you'd have to buy so getting the acid getting the goo getting the ink getting the the water okay so it's, it's going to be big each each of those elements yeah and like the the thing that switches what attack you've got between when you're wide and when you're narrow focused that's its own upgrade um each of the mis- melee weapons you've got are their own upgrade. So the spinning saw blades are an upgrade. The wrecking ball is an upgrade. A few defensive options, some rotating shields, a few mini drones, like some bubble swirls that eat up enemy bullets. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, but you could also do a uh, uh, maybe a ju- for Christmas-themed uh, giant Christmas ornament. <laughs> Or something like that for special occasions. Yeah, we haven't we haven't given much thought to that, but we we probably should. We should probably look at getting like swap the wrecking ball out with a big Christmas ornament to smack people with. <laughs> get, get, <laughs> that, that would be amazing. <laughs> Halloween, maybe instead of launching meteors, you're launching pumpkins that are chunking against. Have the punk pumpkin launcher for that one. Oh, there you go. Flaming pumpkin launcher. <laughs> One of the areas that I would 
into is I like the aesthetics and I like the style of the game. I know it's, and it's still earlier, but I was curious on music and what type of music you want to add in, or maybe you don't want music. So we are chatting. There's a local band in Madison, Wisconsin, Venus and Furs. Um, we have been chatting with them the past year or so about getting some of their music, um, getting some um, instrumental remixes of some of their songs into the game. The the handful of people, you know, we don't really show that in our demo because we haven't actually licensed the music yet. Um, but the folks we have shown a version of the game that has the music in it, they really it's it's kind of a how do you describe it i think on their website it's disco surf punk something like that it's a real gritty real like upbeat it's music that you kind of want to go to battle with with but not really in the same not like wagner but battle music but oh i get it more more like a match to the aesthetic of the game where you know kind of it feels like it's it feels like it's music that would be at home as the backing track to like some of that old pulp sci-fi movies so that's that's why we reached out to them and hopefully soon we'll we'll start showing off versions of this game with music in it Sounds good. Uh, definitely something that I would like to see balanced against the sound effects on there. How did you come up with the sound effects for the game? Are they you're not crushing vegetables like in Mortal Kombat? I assume you're using <laughs> some some other method. Um, mostly, most of the sounds are coming from the Sound Snap library. It's pretty pretty well indexed, pretty like reasonably priced. It, it's something well within the budget of any indie developer um, to get sounds from that library. Um, our Q, one of our QA people, one of those, actually has some sound design background. So we've had a few sessions where we pick out sounds and then she'll kind of walk us through how we want to edit it to make it actually sound better with the rest of the rest of the sounds we got on there. And we know we still have to kind of get the sound levels sorted out because some of them are just much louder than others at this point. So that's that's a known issue we're still going to sort out before launch. But yeah, the sound effect, in my opinion, the sound effects that are in there sound like they should be in there. I mean, it's not like a car horn, horn honking or something. They definitely <laughs> give you that feel that you're destroying aliens. It gives a it gives a nice punch to the to the explosions or destroying stuff. And one of the <laughs> weapons that I found in the beta that I don't think was ready yet, but it was still fun to play was a uh, Froyo Yo Yo Yo. What was the name? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Froyo saw. Um, it just was created to be a terrible pun, but. Um, we do have the yo-yo saw, the the regular one that doesn't freeze enemies. But yeah, if you take that one to the to the comet and you just use it to smash ice, that that sound I swear is almost as satisfying as popping bubble wrap. <laughs> nice. 
one of the things that I noted in uh, a recent tweet is that you were showing off some updated art for yes. the, uh, the game. And so it was showing one of the enemies that sort of has a, I don't know, it's like a drone ship with this sort of weird eye, this green the eye. The big eyeball. Yeah, the eyeball. Yeah. The one that cries acid and ink at you. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I really like the the additional definition on the art in, you know, the change between the uh, original design and the new one that it, thank you. It definitely has so much more uh, personality to it, I guess. And some of that is of course with the, the outlines and giving it a little bit more of that comic book look. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think overall it's just a, it's a more fully realized kind of look and feel. Uh, and so I'm looking forward to to seeing the the in-game art assets updated to uh, to reflect you know more of that uh, that style. Yeah, yeah. We should. We're getting very close to the point where we'll have enough enemies in the new style that we can start recording clips with the new artwork in there. Um, the other benefit we're getting we had from some of our conventions we've shown. Got a lot of feedback that once you get a lot of enemies, they kind of were blobbing together and it was really hard to track where any individual enemy was. So once we've got that, that outline, the other thing that's really, that that's really helping. I mean, I, I just love that comic book feel on its own, but when I play with some of the new artwork in there, it's, it's like, it's easier on your eyes because there's that so much more definition between one enemy and the next and one enemy in the background. So, so our artist, that's been a big project for our artist. Um, it is something that kind of, we addressed relatively late in development. So she's kind of been working on working overtime to get all of this updated, but it's, in my opinion, really been worth the time to go back and revise all of that. Yeah, I appreciate the nods to kind of classic shoot 'em up stuff. Uh, for example, on on Vesta or Mars uh, or Venus mm-hmm. or I guess on all the locations, I noticed that <laughs> there's there's what is similar to parallax scrolling where you have multiple layers, yeah. and uh, mm-hmm. and so that was kind of a nice uh, a nice effect. And a nice nod to uh, shoot 'em ups of old, um, but I guess yeah. that that brings up the question. You know, right now in the in the beta, there are four locations that you can fly through. Um, how many how many different uh, scenes or or locations are you planning on for the the final release? Um, so at launch, there won't be any more than those four. We might even hold one back to kind of. Um, Leave that as one of the first updates. Mm. Um, we are going to be continuing to bring content to the game every couple of months after launch. So at one time, we were planning as many as 12, but we'd say a safe bet is the final, final version. We'll have between 8 and 10. So we have, we have an underwater level planned. Uh, we have... The four levels that you'll see in the demo, they're all solar system locations. 
We do have a couple levels planned where you'll be actually going to the alien solar system, taking the fight to them. Um, some of those levels are just... <laughs> some of the stuff we've talked about for that is a little over the top, and I'm excited to get to work on those. But those are also going to be some of the last things we get to play around with. So for launch, four at the most, but we will have, we are planning on coming back to this game, giving you more weapons, giving you more places to fly, giving you more enemy variety. Okay. Well, uh, one thing I was curious about is obviously right now the beta is happening on the Apple platform. Uh, I've been playing it on yes. a uh, the large kind of 10-inch iPad Pro that I've got here. But I'm curious as to, A, how much testing you've done on smaller screen devices like an iPad mini or even a phone. And then B, have you looked at any other platforms for this, such as Android or maybe even something like the Nintendo Switch since it has a, mm. you know, a touchscreen and uh, kind of a similar form factor to a to a tablet. Yeah, we we have gotten a lot of requests for the Switch. <laughs> um, right now, it is just beyond our capabilities. <laughs> um, the one the one thing with this game, it was developed in native iOS code. Which ah. the good the good thing is we're able to throw so much more onto the screen at once without killing the frame rates than we would be if we were using Unity, if we were using some cross pla other cross-platform engine. The bad thing is, if we wanted to do a simultaneous launch on iOS and Android, that would kick release date back at least a year and a half, probably more. Wow. So we are focusing all our efforts on iOS, and we won't say never elsewhere, but we just we don't have any concrete plans to do anything other than iOS. So now to your first question about the phones, we do regularly test on phones. Um, we have a special control scheme. Um, if you've ever used the single touch on iPad, uh, it's pretty much what we're doing on iPhone. So instead of pinching to set your fire, you're either tapping or you're swiping on the right side of the screen. Oh. So you you hold the you hold your device a little like a controller. You can do it just with two thumbs, one of them to fly your ship on the left and the other like you want to target one enemy, you just tap your thumb there. You want to target a range, you swipe where you want your your firing arc to start and where you want it to end. It's it's been pretty intuitive. Um, there's a few a few things that have been challenges, like getting the aspect ratios to mix. So, kind of getting that mix of panning and letterboxing, trying to make it look good, trying to make it so you can actually see the entire play field. But we've we've been pretty happy with how the phone version has worked. And as for anyone who really is looking forward to one of the console releases, I, I think what you'd have to do in the meantime is get a little adapter to hook your iPad or your iPhone up to an HDMI cable and then just 
you know, get an MFI controller and you can pretend you're playing it on a console <laughs> and, you know, it, it works. I, I've done it. Yeah, that uh, the swiping feature on a phone reminds me of of uh, the, the wonderful 101 on the Wii U, where a lot of the input commands that you would do, you know, you would swipe your finger across the screen or draw a circle or something like that in order to command your units to form a certain kind of attack. And so it seems like that would be similar to that where, you know, you're using your thumb to quickly mm-hmm. swipe during over a portion of the screen to set your your width of attack or that kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah, I'm not not familiar with that game you mentioned, but it sounds like what you're describing. It's pretty on with how our phone controls work. One of the items I noticed in the video I watched I was sort of looking forward to trying. Maybe I missed it, but it was an orange stream or an orange liquid. We nicknamed it the Orange Crush, and I was sort of hoping chance to try that in the demo, but I didn't find it. So it is. It's not in the kind of the the public demo. You can get to it um, in that backstage portion. It is. Let me tell you where to find it. I'm just looking at the game right now. It's. It looks like it's similar to the acid weapon. It is. It is the lava cannon, and it is L- Drone Bay B. Okay. So, so one thing, the exact weapon that is in that video has been kind of split into two different similar weapons. So you can either do the lava sprinkler or the lava hose. Neither of them are exactly like the one that was in that video. Um, but that's that's kind of what that weapon evolved into. So the lava sprinkler is same idea. You've just got two of them. Lava hose is the same idea. It's just a larger stream and it's more forceful. Gotcha. All right. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm just playing around with the uh, while we're talking about the lava weapon. I'm just playing around with the acid weapon, and uh, I've I've tended to prefer the the acid kind of sprinkler, if you will. The third iteration of the acid weapon, where it's uh, oh, oh, where it's just kind of misting, where yeah. you're not even really aiming; it's just a little mist. Yeah, because I can just yeah, sort of that's... hang out at the top right hand uh, portion of the of the navigation side of the screen on the left, uh, and then just kind of rain down uh, acid on everything. But playing now with the the acid stream, you know, the second version of the weapon. I really kind of mm-hmm. like the precision capabilities of it to be able to sort of specifically direct where it's going to go and have it move pretty quick. But th- th- that mm-hmm. kind of leads me into a, a question is, you know, you mentioned earlier that one of the inspirations was, uh, you know, a liquid style weapon. But I, I got to say, this is a very unique feature is to have more of a liquid style attack. Thanks. And it's very... It's very interesting, and it's also, I'm not sure that I've ever seen that in another shoot-'em-up. I don't know that I've seen it in another shoot-'em-up. Um, where I have seen it is, uh, have you played the Ratchet & Clank series? Uh, I have a couple of them, but I haven't played them yet. Uh, there is a, a lava gun and a liquid nitrogen gun in that game that 
were very much an inspiration for those two weapons in our game. Okay. We actually we actually turn to that series a lot for they they know their weapons over at Insomniac. So sure. we've we've taken quite a bit of cues from the way they design their weapons and the way we've implemented them in our system. Oh, very cool. You know, I'm just thinking of in some ways it almost feels like Splatoon the shooter. <laughs> <laughs> but uh I really like how, and pardon the pun, but how fluid it is in, you know, (laughs) in the sense that everything moves around so, so seamlessly, uh, you know, in some ways it reminds me of the, the, the toothpaste laser in, uh, from Raiden 2 and beyond, you know, where the, oh yeah, the movement is just so, so fluid, but of course, instead of being a, a homing weapon, you're directing it wherever you want it to go. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost like it's almost like the next evolution of that idea where you've got much more granular and direct control over it. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Yeah, that was one of the one of the big reasons we had for doing an iPad game was we wanted to explore all the things you could do with that touchscreen interface that you couldn't have done easily if you were just making an arcade port. I really liked, I started playing a lot of the cave shooter ports to iPad and just had so much better success dodging bullet patterns with that, with using a finger on the screen compared to using a controller. Sure. And that just got me thinking like, well, if I'm using one finger to fly, why can't I use the other finger to aim my shots? And if I'm using one finger to aim my shots, why not just go ahead and use two? Mm, sure. And I can get that little spread, you know, because so many games do have like you'll you'll switch between all fire forward and fire across the screen. So why not kind of make that a make that a continuous gesture, be able to say exactly how much spread you want? Yeah, that's a that's an interesting way of looking at it. That's one of the things I've seen some discussions on with regards to shoot 'em ups on mobile devices. And some people are very against an action game of this type being on a mobile device because they feel like they don't have the precision control without uh, a, a gamepad or hmm. a stick or a keyboard. Um, but then there are other people that say, no, you have that fine control with right. with your your finger or now something like an apple pencil where you can mm-hmm. you know kind of move it around very very slowly or very quickly very sharply and you can make very minute fine movements with that and dodge bullets or weave through patterns and things like that so i can see that working very well but of course <sighs> With this, the the way right. you've got it set up now, especially because you have health uh, or you know a certain number of hits that the drone can take before it's destroyed, it's a little bit more forgiving than a than a cave game or something like that, um, and so it, it definitely lends itself more to pure score chasing because you're not dealing with you're dealing less with finite levels and the same mm-hmm. enemy layouts all the time is it's so that combination it's a i think it's a good combination where you've got 
kind of levels that keep going on, and then you've got differing enemy patterns and waves and how it changes up every time, plus the debris that comes out from destroying the enemies and things that you have to dodge. Um, and so, yeah, I think it, I think that'll lend itself really well to, uh, to score chasing and, um, you know, just help with kind of the pick up and play aspect of it. Yeah, that's, thanks. That's what we're hoping. <laughs> we're hoping that, is, that combination's going to work for us too. We, we've got high hopes for it. Speaking of the game, do you have a estimated release date or release time? Are you expecting to release sometime this year or the the most specific we're gonna get is to say twenty twenty. I I don't wanna even give like a quarter within twenty twenty because it, that's just kind of asking to be proven wrong by <laughs> the fates. So uh but but we're pretty confident twenty twenty will be the year. Anyone who wants to be the first to know exactly when it's out, if you follow our Twitter account at um, at Terciops Studios, we'll let everyone there know. Um, we've got a newsletter you can sign up for if you want to hear when it's released. Um, we've got a Discord you can join. Um, also, the thedaywefoughtspace.com. Um, that's our website. That'll get you to the newsletter. That'll get you to the Twitter. That'll get you anywhere you need to go to hear to be among that crowd that is the first to know when release happens so excellent yeah i was i know release dates are really hard to pin down i didn't want to get you pinned down to something specific yeah i have a, a very embarrassing poster from when we started development and it says something about coming fall I forget what year, but it's a year long in the past. And the spoiler alert, the game did not come out in the fall of the year we had on the first <laughs> There's a local video game shop that, true believers, they had our poster up for several years after the release date on that sign. And every time I'd go in looking for some new used games... He'd ask me, oh, hey, is your game out? <laughs> and I had to just be like, not quite yet. <laughs> we know what the poster says. We thank you so much for believing in us. But but game's not out quite yet. It's coming. It's coming. Yeah, when you're, when you're a smaller developing, a developer working on a project like that, yeah, it, it can be difficult to, to make those projections, I would assume. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it kind of evolved into a game a little different from the game we set out to make. Um, all of this physics, all of this chain reaction stuff was not in the first version of the game. It's one of those things that it was one little detail we added and it was everyone's favorite detail. So we thought we just kind of took a step back there and said... Let's add more chain reactions in here. Let's get a proper physics engine. We were already using a physics engine for collision detecting only, so it wasn't a big reworking to actually turn on that other, all the momentum tracking and gravity, all that stuff. So, and it's, it's been a learning journey for us too. That's, that's one of the big reasons it's taken us so long. I I came into this really knowing nothing about how to promote a game, really not respecting the amount of time that it would take for me to kind of 
go do the convention circuits, get out, keep in touch on social media. So I, I will have a much more sane estimate for our next project. Once we go into that, it'll still probably be more overly optimistic, but it'll be a much more, much more grounded in reality estimate. Yeah, so that that segues nicely into something I was curious about is obviously all of your attention is focused on this right now and trying to, you know, get the get the content that you want for the launch release and then sort of plot out your your course for adding additional content and things like that as you go along. But have you have you looked into what you think you might want to make your next project? And if so, you know. Can could you uh, share maybe what you're thinking about doing? Um, I'll share the process because we're we're not going to go in thinking our next game will definitely be X Y Z. We've got about a half a dozen ideas that we've talked about among ourselves. A, a few of them I've kind of floated with some friends and been like, hey. I'm thinking of doing a game XYZ. What do you think about that? Uh, but really, we're going to have to go to the prototyping stage where we've got a few uh, bare bones, playable, but not really dressed up games. So I, I don't know how familiar you are with the game dev process, but that's that's what everyone, like most indie games especially, spend a lot like the studios you see that have a lot of successful games it's because they try they thought up of a hundred ideas and then they prototyped 20 of them so they had 20 just bare bones just getting a taste of what this game is like and then out of those 20 prototypes they kind of narrowed it down to about two or three games that would eventually get produced hmm into something more fleshed out. So that's the approach we're going to do once once this game wraps up. I have already started doing a few little toy prototypes. Um, I've got a couple storylines that I might want to pursue. Um, but a, a lot of that, you know, you can kind of wrap a story around another game. So we're we're looking at some simple mechanics. We're looking at... Um, so both me and the artist have been involved in roller derby. So we're thinking of doing one of the prototypes that we've toyed with is like a bumper car version of roller derby. Mm. Um, we'll see if that that might be the one that gets fleshed out. We've got a couple games in our back catalog that we might want to revisit and update. Um, one of the games that never really saw the light of day and no pun intended it's called unseen mm. it's it's a game it's kind of a puzzle odyssey where you're treasure hunting in the dark and you have to find your way through mazes just by sounds so that was one of these games that we worked on for a couple years and it just hit some show-stopping snags in the last act of development wow. and we were never able to really release that one but it might make a comeback in some form. Um, so it's it's just we're going to have to toy around with some ideas. Bef we're going to have to be ready to not pursue every little idea we've got. Yeah, they, you have to keep narrow it down somehow. Yeah. Otherwise, you'll be yeah. in development forever. 
Right, right. It would it would take easily 200 years to get through every game I've ever had an inkling of doing. So, hmm. And in those 200 years, I'd probably come up with another 500 years worth of ideas. <laughs> so, Yeah, and there's definitely lots of ideas that I'm coming up with for drones in order to shoot down those aliens. <laughs> and the one thing I will say, if we ever do a sequel to The Day We Fought Space, we know that the title will be The Day Space Fought Back. So that's that's the one hint I'll drop for what we might be doing. Who knows when? Who knows when the sequel will hit if it ever does? I like it. Uh, one thing I was going to ask, and it's not related to the game specifically, but the the name of the studio, Terciops Truncatus. What's the what's the meaning behind that? <laughs> so that is the binomial name for bottlenose dolphin. It, it kind of goes back to. Uh, the idea I had when I ju- when I started getting into games is I wanted to kind of be more of an exploratory studio than a nostalgic one. So trying new ideas and the idea of, you know, you've got dolphins, which are on Earth. They have fun. They play games. Just kind of a hint of that, like... What might games, what direction might games have gone into in an alternate reality where people made slightly different decisions? Hmm. So kind of applying that philosophy to Day We Fought Space, you know, kind of rethink, put using those same bones that a shoot 'em up's got, but rethinking some of the conventional, rethinking some of the conventions of the genre seeing where we can take it. A little experimentation sounds like a good thing. <laughs> yeah, we have fun with it. Speaking of, you mentioned a couple of different other titles. Did you, there was a way to find your way through Amazed by, was it just by, without sight, just by hearing sounds? Or what was the... Yeah, yeah, that was Unseen. Okay. Um, and that, that game, you didn't even need a monitor to play it. You could just hook up your headphones and get a controller and go. So you'd take a step and you'd hear the footfall and maybe you step right next to a pit and you hear wind coming from a pit. So, you know, there's a pit next to you, but you don't know in what direction, so you kind of need to backtrack and you need to explore the area and try to figure out where the safe path through is to get to the next chamber. And it got pretty involved. Um, you, you got eventually to the point where so so like the next step is you'd have a door and you'd knock on the door and it would play a chord. So then you have to find a switch that played that corresponding arpeggio to open the door and close the door. And if you hit played the if you hit the wrong switch, maybe the door would open into a pit. <laughs> or if you hit the right switch, then it would open up to a safe bridge that would take you to the end of the level. Uh, eventually it got to the point where there were monsters and you could you had to kind of figure out you'd hear them wake up and you'd hear them step towards you. 
but you didn't know exactly what direction they were coming from. So it it was, it, it's a fun concept. Yeah, it sounds like it'd be suited for VR, a really fun VR game. Oh, I never even thought of bringing that to VR. Maybe yeah. that'll maybe that'll be how it makes its its comeback. I was kind of thinking, you know, it almost sounds like uh, like taking the sort of hunt the wumpus concept, but putting it into that, like you said, with without the ability to, or without the need to see it, just using audio cues. Mm-hmm. It, it the wumpus world exercise in an artificial intelligence class I took is exactly what inspired that game. So it, it, it's nice that you caught that reference right there. <laughs> well, I, uh, I used to play that uh, as a kid on my dad's uh, fancy HP calculator. <laughs> One of the things that I, I didn't have a chance to reach myself, but I had seen video is some of the bosses you were it's showing off mm-hmm. like it was a dragon, a blue dragon that was breathing fire. Yes. Is then I assume that the green eyeballed uh, space giant space alien is going to be another boss. There, you, you uh, something that one's actually not a boss. Oh, okay. That one is just a kind of a mid tier enemy. Um, the the eyeball, um, what he'll come up up and do. Uh, he has mostly status based attacks. So the real, where the real fun starts, he has, he'll cry tears of ink at you and you'll see this kind of black barrier on the right side of the screen form up. So that'll actually, it's jamming your ability to see ahead. So if you get hit by a load of his ink tears, you'll only be able to see about half the screen. So you've got that much less time to react to what's going on. Same thing being on maybe for like an underwater stage where you're going to be dealing with light and light visibility in there. Um, yeah, similar, similar to that. We do have, we do have actually, even though we have none of the rest of the water stage done, we have the, the boss squid from that stage that does a lot of ink based attacks, attacks there. So you get a lot of the light management thing there. You also have to deal with buoyancy in that one. So that's one where you need, like, if you bring a melee weapon into the water level, it really loses its momentum unless you're very actively swinging it around or it's motorized. Hmm. Hmm, interesting. Uh, speaking of the a couple of the bosses in there, you draw, and you had mentioned Gradius 3 earlier, are you drawing... Some inspiration from that series for it definitely has iconic bosses. So I'm curious if something similar will show up. There is something similar that's going to show up on the comet level. Uh, we don't we have a prototype for that, but no artwork for it yet. Um, one of the fun bits with that we're doing for the comet bosses um, because there's the classic boss trope where. It charges up a big attack, and then you've got that moment where you can hit the glowing red weak spot. So we've actually got a mechanic on it where you can use your bullets to kind of force... There's a little gear you can hit, and you can force open the weapon to kind of make your own attack at that glowing red weak spot instead of just waiting around for him to charge up for his big attack. 
So hmm. once that one huh. is out of the prototype stage, then then we'll be showing more of it. But yeah, you or using a boss to or like a smaller enemy to destroy and make the boss vulnerable is definitely a classic move or the the fake out of here mm-hmm. comes the boss that you've seen before and it's instantly destroyed by a bigger boss. Right. That's that's one we haven't really chatted about doing. That uh, that might that might have some promise in some future levels. Yeah, there's definitely a lot to play with in a model like this. Yeah. I'm assuming that I, maybe I missed on here, but the classic flying saucer, that would be something fun to where maybe you shoot off the, or do you, oh, somehow open it up with it, I don't know, maybe a giant crane, make a crane game somehow with mm. that, with physics would be pretty cool to see. It's just some, something up to change We've, it. Yeah. We've been playing around with some claw and harpoon physics. And they're they're some of the most challenging ones to get to work right and not be broken. We haven't we haven't given up on the idea, but it's it's been getting getting those claws and harpoons to work right has been one of the biggest programming channel challenges to kind of keep everything consistent with the physics of the rest of the game. I mean, if you have a scripted harpoon, if you have a scripted claw. That's one thing, but yeah, I could see how just—I mean, just trying to pick up a playing one of those claw games, trying to pick anything up would be hard. Right. We have it. I um, have you seen the that tractor boss on Mars that has the arm that'll throw stones at the player? That getting that arm to work took just so much trial and error. To get it to like fling those stones mm. anywhere near where the player was. Oh yeah, or like a yeah, like a catapult and so. Don't don't get me wrong. Yeah. For some reason now, I'm getting like Angry Birds vibes, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I definitely could see. Also, there's a lot that you can just do with the physics engine on here. I was thinking maybe something with Legos or something, but that required branding or something, some sort of knockoff weapon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot that you can draw from, from the, the Konami Gradius games or with the, uh, pro, even the Parodius games. Uh, yeah. Mention a giant octopus on there. You're going to have to shoot the Band-Aid on the, the no, a giant squid, I believe. you <laughs> Shoot the Band-Aid <laughs> off of it. Shoot the Band-Aid. Or an eagle with the top hat. There's a lot that you can do. <laughs> there's there's a lot going on in Parodius. Yes, there, the, the flying trains and then the uh, the pigs and, oh my goodness. Oh, oh <clears throat> which brings section on here. I know that with space games, there's a, you can get a lot of weirdness out of it, like with uh, Nausicaa lines in uh, Zevius or... The Moai heads in Gradius. Is there going to be something similar? Yeah. Um, the closest thing we got right now is some of the plant life that's going to be showing up on Venus. Um, which why plant life is on Venus in the first place is, you know, its own story. Uh, but you know, we we've got kind of some little shop of horrors vibe coming up 
that you're going to be seeing in the next next few iterations of the game. Nothing totally, nothing really bordering on the the Moai of just Easter Island in space um, until possibly when we start getting into those alien planets in the last act of the game. Yeah, that'd be a fun little East, no pun intended again, Easter egg to have in there. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of what you could put in there. I mean, we've got, we could even have, have some things just show up in the background every hundred plays. Just kind of have that. Did I really see that moment? Yeah, it would be cool. Yeah. Oh, that would be cool. Like this, just obscured enough for Maybe. Vic Viber or something there. Yeah. Or, uh, I was just thinking, like, get the Sidonia face on Mars oh, yeah. that you only pass by it once every hundred times you play Mars. Maybe it's obscured by the sandstorm. Or or a secret level on Mars as you go down there, you find ice that you can melt into water. I don't know, that's probably too complicated, but <clears throat> just like a hidden water level on, on Mars if you take a divergent path or... Something to that effect. Yeah. Yeah, that might that might get a little add a little much to the scope. Yeah, I, I could see but, see that. <laughs> it's I it's it's been a constant struggle with feature creep because and I had to at one point just I learned about the Boyd's algorithm, which is this like way to simulate flocking behavior programmatically and i was like oh my god it would be so cool to have like a flock of starlings enemy that you can just like and i i had to just like take the little spray bottle and just be like bad programmer no we we need this game to come out sometime this century we don't need to add a hundred thousand features to it (laughs) so you mentioned previously that you had been i know you were at pax and you are you done for the year for conventions? Are you looking going to be showing up at other conventions like PGRE or something like that? Uh, we have one one last convention scheduled for 2019. Uh, we're going down to GDEX the weekend, October 11th to the 13th. I don't know when this is going to air. I don't know if this will be before then or not, but that's in Columbus, Ohio. Um, and then we get a little bit of a break. We're going to be doing... we're almost certainly going to be doing PAX South and probably East. And that'll kind of be our wrap for conventions for this game. Okay. Yeah. I saw something originally when I was looking up information on this originally, besides the website and the Twitter account, I saw an interview from GDC, I believe it was this year. And then I saw a couple of the interviews from uh, recent PAX, uh, PAX West, I believe. Yeah, those those conventions are definitely one way to get exposure. I could just imagine that this doing the setup, getting and flying out there, doing everything it must be exhausting. So you are you have any um, convent? You say the Midwest Gaming next year. Are you planning on doing the circuit again next year? Or are you looking going into crunch in order to get the twenty twenty release date or approximately twenty twenty release date? Right now, the plan for 2020 is to return to PAX South and PAX East, and then also Midwest Gaming Classic. Um, 
after Midwest Gaming Classic, though, uh, we'll be pretty laser focused on getting the release ready, getting finished with whatever development is left to deal with before release. So we'll most likely be taking a bit of a break from the convention circuit after that. No, I understand. It's got to you got to cut the line somewhere just as with development. you got to get the game out and then get into people's hands. Have you de- had a chance to determine the minimum requirements for this yet? Are you saying, well, anything older than iPhone 6 won't run? Or So we do periodically test on some older hardware. Uh, as of right now, the game still does run on an iPad 2, uh, not the first gen ipad from what i hear you do have to turn graphics quality down you're not going to get a steady 60 frames per second but it will run Um, in theory any device that can run test flight should be able to run the game Uh, i think that puts the cutoff for phones somewhere around the 5s maybe the 6 maybe the 5 goals are to keep things that way Um, i can't really make that promise 100 percent for launch uh, sometimes there are some changes to, to the development tools um, that make it kind of difficult, if not impossible, to support some of the older hardware. So that's something that's just going to be out, or, out of our control. But fingers crossed we will be able to give some love to folks with some older hardware around. Okay. <laughs> I'll have to... Uh, I'll have to pull out the 5s that he uses my podcast device and and play around with it all right well addicted uh if you don't have anything else i think we should uh go ahead and wrap this up all right sounds good to me well thank you so much kathy for uh bring you know being on the podcast and and really letting us dig into uh, this game and and uh, for allowing us to play the development version, the beta, and uh, just really sharing some good information about it, and hopefully uh, you know giving the listener base some cool stuff to look forward to. Hopefully next year. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on the show. It's been a real pleasure chatting with you two. Yeah, and once again uh, we've been talking about the day we fought space by Terciops Truncatus Studios. You can go to thedaywefoughtspace.com, follow Terciops Studios on Twitter, and uh, follow the development of the game. Uh, they, there was uh, frequent tweets of new graphics and, and uh, little video clips of new weaponry and different physics, and so it's been fun to, to follow the development. I'm definitely looking forward to playing some more with Froyos and... Uh, flower cannons and whatever else we can concoct here. 